Our gospel comes to us from the 22nd chapter of Matthew. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared a dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see that the guests, the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort and a word of challenge, a word of hope and a word of leadership for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Well, friends, I think we all have this type of person in our lives. We all have one of these people. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, but I think we all have a professional worrier in our life, don't we? I mean, maybe you've never thought about it, but stop for a minute and think, and you're like, yeah, I know know that person, right? And maybe you yourself are the professional worrier, but you justify it saying, I'm actually an amateur, but my friend over here, they're really great at worrying, right? Have you ever told yourself that? I have a friend who is absolutely a professional warrior, a dear friend. Uh, I'm just an amateur, but she is the best. I think, in fact, that if there were a contest around the world every year, she would be the WWW, the World Warrior winner of that contest. It's like I remember times when her kid had a cold, and it's like, it sounded just a little bit different than last time. So she hits up Google, and within minutes, she is convinced of this rare diagnosis that's only been seen in four human beings all around the world and not been seen since the 1800s, but it's surely this. She is a professional warrior. And ironically, or maybe God's provision in her life, her husband is the most calm and non-anxious person I've ever met. (laughs) But we all worry from time to time, don't we? Some of us just happen to be really skilled at the art of worrying. But I think we need worry in our lives. In some ways, I I think we could say that worry is a gift that God has given us because it it helps us to anticipate danger and, and to plan ahead, to think ahead on how to respond. And yet today in the reading, Paul says, do not worry about anything. Some translations actually read, do not be anxious about anything. And so while healthy worry is indeed, I think, a protective gift that God gives us, God also knows that worry has the potential to overwhelm us, to be something that becomes like this all-consuming thing that becomes an anxiety or, or even a crippling fear sometimes. 
And so Paul says in our text today, do not worry. And so we can just all say, okay, Paul, we've got it. We'll stop worrying. We can go home now, right? No, it's, it's not so simple, especially in our world today. There's an author and researcher uh, named Jean Twenge, and she's done uh, extensive research on generational trends in our culture, meaning uh, the way that, that mindsets and culture and society shifts from one generation to the other. And I first came across her work in 2009 and read one of her books. I found it fascinating, all this data she and her team were able to collect about these shifts in mindsets and the way people are from generation to generation. And she's gone kind of all the way back through the 20th century. But in the past decade, her focus has shifted pretty dramatically because they came across something uh, that was unprecedented. In the research that they were doing, they found something in recent years that shocked them. Because something that in all their years of data and research, something came up that there was this shift that was so intense and so fast, they'd never seen anything like it, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And the research spanned from about 2012 to 2019 when they saw this. And what they found is that in the younger age group, ages 12 to 17, so kind of teenage years, in that span of time, clinical depression more than doubled in that age group, more than doubled in just a few years. They'd never seen anything like it. And so they started to wonder what could be the correlation, the cause of something so dramatic across such a wide berth of people. And they looked and there was no national crisis. Sometimes maybe a national crisis would cause this. There was no world war. Uh, this was all before the pandemic happened, this data that came out that they were stumped by. And they, as they looked and looked, they could come to only one explanation that synced up with the timeline, and it was, um, it was these things, smartphones. What they found is that those same years were the same years that something like this portable internet device that had social media on it moved from being extremely rare to almost universal, right? And of course, that's spilled out beyond just young people today. It, it, we're already living in a culture of comparison, but, but the advent of this 24-7 portable internet social media device only amplified and accelerated that which was already going on. And it did it in a way that we'd never seen. This huge shift uh, came with it some other things, right? Things like social isolation and comparison. They, they, they came up at unprecedented levels with worry and anxiety and, for some, clinical depression. But lest we blame it on social media alone, you just have to look around our world today and think about how many news sources uh, don't trade primarily just in information, but in worry or fear because emotion sells. We want to get looks and likes, right? We live in this culture of comparison, this culture of worry. And so when Paul says, do not worry about anything, but in everything rejoice, it's a word that we absolutely need for our world today, right? And Paul isn't alone in this, this language. It might sound familiar. See, Jesus said something similar in Matthew 6. I want to share this verse with us today. Jesus himself said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body or what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? If we take it a step further and you look through the scriptures, you would see over and over and over again, it says, do not be afraid. And what is worry if not a form of fear? 
And so before I move on much further, I want to pause and just be really clear about something, though, that, that there is uh, such a thing as clinical depression or anxiety disorder that are real conditions that warrant uh, professional medical help and support. I would absolutely advocate for that. Uh, but I think what Paul's talking about, what I'm talking about today, is more of the general stress, anxiety, worry that we all, all feel in our lives from time to time, right? So to make that distinction clear. But as we hear this, though, we now hear that God's desire is for us is to be free from, from worry and fear and not let it consume us. So how do we actually do it? That's the struggle, right? Well, guess what? There's no shortage of self-help books out in our world today, right? You can go read a book. You can check out the latest book. You can, you can even uh, download a mindfulness app to help you meditate on one of these things, ironically, or an audible book, right? There's all these things. As I was thinking and researching this week, I came across all these lists, um, so I'm completely stress-free now, right? No. <laughs> But this is good and it's important and some of these things that I was reading about, I've done some of these practices in my own life that can be very helpful. But what was fascinating is I read, as I read the scriptures, every single piece of advice on those self-help things, there's actually a biblical precedent that was set many, 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 many years ago for us, which is amazing, right? I wanted to share just a few of those things that popped up for me and stood out. Uh, one of the things you'll come across that'll say, you should keep a journal kind of process your day. Well, that reminds me of the ancient spiritual prayer practice of the examine, where you stop at the end of the day and, and go back and prayerfully reflect on your day and bring that to God. And Psalm 139 that says, Lord, search me and know me, right? I mentioned you could download a mindfulness app and practice meditation or deep breathing. That reminds me of the Bible verse that said, thou shalt goeth to the Google Play Store, right? Anybody? Know that? <laughs> no. But in the Psalms, over and over again, prayer is talked about with the word meditate. So Psalm 1, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. Or Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, God. See, the Bible was making meditation cool way before this current trend. There's things that you'll read about, say, uh, exercise and, and staying healthy, healthy eating, which reminds me of some of the things Paul says, that, that our body is a temple of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit, and we should tend to not just our spiritual selves, but our physical selves. There's things that say avoid excess caffeine or alcohol, and, and that seems like good advice, but man, I love that coffee in the morning, <laughs> right? But it reminds me of the prayer practice of fasting. And I think this is important to note because, friends, we need more than just self-help. We need spirit help, Holy Spirit help. So what is Paul saying to us today? When we first hear his encouragement, do not worry about anything, we might think, okay, Paul, that's easy for you to say. You were an apostle. You had this, this intimate, deep, uh, supernatural connection to Jesus, right? But then we pause and remember, where was Paul writing these words from? He wrote this in prison. Paul wrote the book of Philippians in prison. This was a man who had been beaten, uh, mistreated, stoned, imprisoned. He was literally writing this to us in chains. So how could he still say this? It seems that Paul was not talking about peace that is defined by the absence of trials. Paul was talking about a peace that comes to us even in the midst of trials. The peace of God. So how does he do this? He gives us some encouraging words here to live by. 
verse 8, he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just or pure or pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence or anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Now, in Greek, the word that uh, is translated think about, that word is logizomai, and it means something more than just cognitive think about. It's more like dwell on this, reflect, consider, ponder these things. And that sounds remarkably similar to me uh, to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. In his prescription for worry and anxiety, he says, consider the lilies of the fields. Consider the birds of the air. It's this sense of refocusing our thoughts away from these things that, that cause us strain and stress and worry and focusing on the goodness of God, the blessings in our lives. But of course, here's where it moves from just self-help to spirit help because it's hard to do that. So Paul says that we do this by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. What is Paul's remedy for worry? Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving that allows us to fill our minds with the goodness of God, the, the, the beauty around us, and not get caught dwelling on those things that break our spirit. And of course, this is not an instant thing. It's not a quick fix. It's a transformational process that God is working in us our whole lives long. And I can say this with authority because, friends, I am a professional worrier, confessing to you now. I would say I'm an amateur, but my family's here and they would just correct me. <laughs> I'm getting better, though. I'm getting better through prayer and supplication, through turning uh, my thoughts, focusing on the goodness of God, the blessings around me. And this week, I wanted to share this. I found this framed photo in our Fly High School ministry room. So our high school youth uh, see this every week. It says this. I don't know if you can read it from back there. It says, Philippians 4.8, turn your worries into prayers. I love this, right? But it takes practice. It takes time. And thankfully, Jesus said, follow me and teaches us the way. And then Paul, did you notice, says today too, imitate me, Paul says. Because Paul knows that growing spiritually is a lifelong journey, and we don't do it alone. Jesus called disciples who made disciples. Then there was Paul who was making more disciples, moves on down the line because we're not meant to do this alone. And as Christians, we know that God is always with us, right? And friends, there is no greater peace than resting in the presence of God and, and turning over your worries and simply being reminded that that you are God's beloved, and that is enough. But God gives us also one another. So a question today I think that's worth asking is, do you have a Paul in your life, someone that's leading you and teaching you? Do you have a Euodia in your life or a Synthache? We all have a Synthache in our lives, right? Somewhere. But seriously, do you have someone that's helping you grow in faith? And conversely, is there someone that you are helping through a struggle, helping them in their walk with Jesus? My discipleship coach many years ago said that as Christians, we are always discipling someone and we're always being discipled by someone at the same time. I love that. There are people, I guarantee, that are in your path, in your life every day that are overwhelmed by worry. There are people around us out in the world that are, that are crippled by fear and too often they just want to turn to a quick fix because they don't know where to go. So they look at short-term self-help solutions when what their souls are longing for is spirit help. The spirit of God that is the only place we can find that peace that comes even in the midst of trials. So friends, as we go out this week, how can you turn your worries into prayers? 
What's one spiritual practice that you can commit to in a, in a deeper way to help you let go and ponder the goodness of God? And is there someone in your life that might be struggling, that God might be leading you to reach out to this week? And with that, will you pray with me? God, you are good. Your mercy and your compassion surround us each day, but Lord, there is also so much that surrounds us that it brings us fear and worry and stress. And so, God, we pause out of the, the chaos of our week to come before you now to turn that over to you, to receive your peace. Lord, help us to receive this so that we can in turn go out and share this peace, this way of being in the world with those around us who are hurting, who are struggling, who don't know where to turn. God, may your spirit lead us and guide us from this place in the day, days and weeks ahead. In Jesus' name we give thanks and pray. Amen.